Welcome everyone to another episode of the Good Milf Podcast. Good Milf Podcast with your host Krista. It's fucking wild. Today we are zooming live, and we have creator and CEO of Pretty Girl Makeup, Christina Flack, based out of California. Hi, how are you? Nice to meet you. I didn't know if you were going to keep talking. <laughs> I was going to, but then I was like, oh, why am I going to like keep talking? Like, no, it's just, all good. <laughs> no, 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 because I really I want you to talk because I want you to share your story because I just think it's so beautiful. And I just, I love this journey. When I was doing my initial research, I automatically felt like this very, just reading everything I was reading. It just had this undertone of like perseverance and like grit and it's just so beautiful and I'm just really excited to be talking wow, to you right well, now. thank you. And relentlessness, I think. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, really. Honestly, however you want to start, but just ah, uh, just go. <laughs> go? Okay. <laughs> well, I am the creator and CEO of Pretty Girl Makeup. I'm a celebrity makeup artist. I am the mother of five. I am uh I would am the widow of Ken Flack, who is a professional tennis player. Uh, he was number one in the world and gold medalist with in doubles uh in tennis with his partner Rob Seguso. And he passed away in 2018 from sepsis. So after he passed, I was contacted by the Sepsis Alliance if I would be willing to raise awareness for sepsis. And that kind of segued into speaking about how I grieve and I've lost my husband, my son, my mother, my business partner. So I've dealt with quite a bit of grief and how I do that. And I try to do it in a, in a positive way. It's so interesting. A lot of people say that they've had post-traumatic shock from situations. And I certainly did. I also think that I, I think what I've done is try to have some post-traumatic growth from my experience dealing with these different situations of, of my loved ones passing much too soon. So I started a, okay, let's start back. Right when it happens, you are in such shock and you're just trying to figure your way how to take the next step. And for me, having dealt with it with my son, which was really traumatic on a Christmas day, my son Bo passed away from SIDS. I was not in a good way. I was taking sleeping pills during the day just to numb myself and function. And that lasted about a month. And then I realized I needed to get myself together and become as disciplined as I normally am. So I work out a lot. I eat really well. I drink green juice. I take a lot of supplements and I meditate, go to yoga. And so I realized that, you know, after Ken passed that I really needed to get it together keep it together. I, I, I didn't even have the luxury of a month of not being on my normal path. So I did more than my usual. I worked out twice a day and it wasn't like big hard workouts. It was maybe a walk or yoga or ride my horse and go to Pilates or something that kind of kept my head just kind of a little bit calmer. I realized that if I was too hungry or too tired, things seemed, they magnified and seemed much worse than they were. So for me, I've learned if I would give anyone advice on, you know, if they were at the beginning of a grieving process to just really be kind to yourself and self-care by, you know, resting and eating well and not getting too stimulated and, and just trying to find your way again. I remember I couldn't sleep without my husband. So I would wrap a shirt of his around my head and 
so I could smell him and I could fall asleep. It was so sad. And I, I had to learn to essentially live without him next to me. And it was very hard. And it, you know, it's been almost four years now and it, it's still, I have moments uh, during the day that I, I feel him and I miss him so much and it's hard. I don't, you never get over grieving over someone. You learn to manage it, I think is the best way to describe it. Mm, yeah, that's, I, a, that's the one right there, I think. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And so I also started a educational fund for my son, Bo, at the Northern Light School in Oakland. It's a private school for predominantly minority kids that are all there on 90%, I think, are there on scholarship. So I started that for Bo. And then Ken played every year in the golf tournament, a celebrity golf tournament for the school. Uh, Vita Blue puts it on all the different athletes in the Bay Area participate and business people with the, the Warriors, the Giants, the Raiders. They all come and are so generous with their time. And Bo's twin, Ben, uh, my son, has actually been as well raising money for his twin and his dad's now foundation. After Ken passed, I started the Ken Flack Educational Fund. And so Ben uh, has gone the last five years on the, I think it's the third hole and plays golf and raises money. And in last October, he raised $36,000 for his dad and his brother's foundation. So that's really great. I feel really good. And all my kids have participated my daughters have gone and helped. My other son, Nikolai, has played in the golf tournament. So for me, helping others has been a way to manage my grief. It makes me feel good to help other people. And I also want to honor my husband and my son. And nutrition and education are incredibly important to me. And so there's a school in Mill Valley, California, where we live called uh, the Edna McGuire School. There is a, a kind of a garden there that was kind of ignored. And so my friend Lisa Zimmer and I raised a bunch of money to bring it back to life. And there's an, uh, an outdoor classroom now called the Bo oh. Friedman Outdoor Classroom, named after my son, Bo. And so it feels really great to me. I love that my son and my husband are not forgotten and their memory lives on um, through these kids. I love like this legacy that you are creating. And I feel like you know, I, as a mom too, that, you know, that's like one of the things that you just like want to leave behind or, or want to have for your children is like, just like this remembering and honoring of these people that came before you. But again, everyone is so different with how they grieve. For example, my ex-husband, my kid's dad, uh, he's very private and he, it's very painful for him. So he doesn't, He's not as public as I am with you know, public speaking or, or, or doing these different things. And it used to really bother me that he didn't get involved with my foundations or the garden. But I realized that he's grieving differently than me and he's allowed, you know, it's okay for him to grieve the way he wants. It's different than the way I am. And yeah. n- neither is the right way. It's what's right for me and what's right for him. So yeah. I've learned to respect his privacy with yeah. this sort of thing. I feel that's, yeah, that's the best approach. And that's showing the compassion and empathy and understanding, especially in very high stress times. So that's, yeah, it's still it's so beautiful. 
Um, yeah. So, and then, you know, doing these podcasts and different interviews on TV and radio, I feel like honors them as well. And, and I, if I can help someone grieve in a gentler, kinder way, I had a vision one day and I was on a hike up in the mountains where I live and I could hear my husband saying to me in my head that it's really hard for him to look down on me crying at night in bed or that I'm sad. And like, it it pains him when he can't comfort me the way he normally would giving me a hug or a kiss or making me laugh. And I thought about that. Like, how would I feel if I was looking down on my husband or my children or my friends and they were so sad thinking about me. And so I just thought it's, you don't have to be miserable and grieve. You can still miss them and love them and honor them by doing positive things and being happy in life. No one's going to want us to be miserable and sad. I mean, Ken and I actually used to make jokes about if one of us passes, we want the other one miserable and not with anyone else. Just, it was like for eternity. And so we used to make, there was this uh, Curb Your Enthusiasm episode about Larry David was going to renew his vows with his wife, Cheryl, on the show. She said, well, that's for eternity. And he's like, eh, I don't know about that. I think it's for this lifetime. She's like, nope, it's true. So Ken and I would always make jokes like, oh no, our love is titanical. It's and it's for, it's for eternity, forever, like 90,000 Every lifetime, every single every lifetime. lifetime. <laughs> I and love so, that, I like that. I don't think my husband would want me miserable and, and sad. I, I well, maybe a little bit, but he definitely just, just like just that little, just like this, like the, you know, the little regular teasing type thing, like yeah, maybe just a little bit like, sad, okay, just can, a little you bit. Can, you can love again, but you know, just acknowledge that you love me more. So that's gonna That's like, you know, in like the ghost movies, when they do like the, pre- the ghost play, the practical jokes, it's like, <laughs> that's all I'm thinking. Oh, yeah. like, no, tying my shoes, definitely done like a that. practical joker. <laughs> He has definitely done that in my house. He would, uh, I would hear footsteps, lights would go on and off, music would go on off the alarm. There was a lot of, uh, of that. So I know he's there. I, you know, songs would come on and I, it made me at first it freaked me out. And then it was like, so great. I'd be like, Hey, put something on or tell me you're here. So, Oh, I love that. I love that. Just that acceptance. And then that that's beautiful. Do, Do you have all sons? Or a daughter. I, Do you have any daughters? I have two daughters and two sons, and well, three sons. I have two daughters, three sons, and uh, one chosen daughter. One cho- okay, because I have a daughter, so um, she's three right now. So, what do oh. I have in store for me? Oh, honey, <laughs> where yeah. what, what's Teenage gonna have, like? Years. Can you oh. give me what's the scariest like part when of they, this? When they journey? go from adoring you at like three and four, they think you're just so lovely and that you're everything. And then you're a teenager and you're the most annoying, horrible. Oh, yes, they they despise you. It's like wait, you used to like me. You're like you're so annoying. So yeah. and they, but you know, then and they that- grow out of it. They grow out of it. And then I'm now I'm just thinking about how I was when I was a teenager to my mom. And I'm like, and oh, imagine my God. It worse, and imagine it worse because the world's weirder now. So. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And then the karma, of course, it's going to be worse, you know, Hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> of course. Yeah, oh I, I guess my best advice with the mothering is uh, don't try and be your friend because she's going to dislike you anyway and just be her mom. And one day she'll be a grown up and then you'll want to be her friend. 
Oh, that's, oh, that's a good one. Yeah. Cause I do feel now that I'm an adult, I'm more closer to my mom now than I, I've ever been before right. in my life. So I think my kids also, my daughters are 28 and 26. And I think our relationship's going to take another change when they have their own kids. And I don't think they'll find oh. me quite as annoying and they think I contact them too much. I call and text them all four of them every day. And I'm like, Hey, how are you? I miss you. What are you doing? And they're just like, mom, we're living our life. Like no mom calls twice a day and texts. I'm like, I'm Russian. I do. <laughs> oh my God. No, I love that. I wish my mom would call and text me every day. Oh my goodness. She doesn't have time. She's like so busy. She's like, I'm going on my walks. She oh, goes plays bingo. I, I wish car. you would. I, 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 Believe me, I I'm busy too. Uh, yeah, no, I still just check in with them all the time. Oh, that is too funny. Oh, I yeah. love that. I love that. But so I think one of the things I wanted to also talk about was um, how being like, be, I wanted to talk to like, another working mother, like essentially like, do you feel there was like a shift anywhere from like celebrity makeup artist to like advocate and a CEO or like how that happened? But like, being a mother during that time frame, like what was the most significant moments in regard to it hitting you? Like, wow, I'm doing the best that I can. You know what I'm, do you get what, do you get what I'm trying yeah, to no, say? Yeah, no, I know what you're saying. Okay. So I was really lucky that when I was married to my kid's dad, that I was able to have an office in my house. I had a nanny and I was able to create my line that I started in 99, which is like a thousand years ago. And then I was also able to be a makeup artist, which is not something that you don't have a photo shoot every day, typically. And so I was able to be a very present mother and be in, you know, do everything in their classrooms and drive on field trips and do all that stuff. And so that was it was great. I've always told my children, figure out what you love doing so much that you would do even if you weren't getting paid and then figure out how to get paid. So I've told them all that. My daughter, Melania, is a fashion designer. She went to Central St. Martin's in London and graduated with, she's a couture fashion designer. And my daughter, Rose, went to NYU film school and graduated from Tisch and she's a screenwriter. And so both of my girls have followed a path of their passion, which makes me happy. I think people are going to be much happier if they're doing something that they love. And so yeah. I think it's important. I, I don't understand anyone that says, oh, I hate my job. Well, then change it. Do something else. I Nothing that's one of my pet peeves in life is when people are complaining about their life or their living situation or their job or their whatever. Make a change. It's not hard. And if that doesn't work, make another change. Yeah, no, I totally agree with you. The I think the pandemic and the quarantine like really showed families what was important. And it's, you know, the, that quality time. So, mm -hmm. and that's what's best. And even like, you know, even when I was little, that's, I, that's all I remember wanting. You know what I mean? Is that quality time with my parents, but then my dad was in the military. So he was always deployed. And then, so my mom was always working and I think, and then I think about my own daughter and I'm like, wow, like she literally just wants to hang out. Like she just wants to do stuff with me. It didn't matter what it How was. How great is that? That would be my dream to have my daughters just want to hang out with me. I would love that. <laughs> well, my daughter's three. So I'm like the bee's yes. knees right now, yes. right now. Well, that's enjoy it, my love, because <laughs> that is going to change. Well, maybe it won't, but 
Oh gosh, you know, no. It, it, yeah, she's, my, yeah, my huh? daughter moved. My, one of my daughters lives in Los Angeles and my other daughter had lived for four years in London. So it's very hard. I, I try to explain to them, like my daughter Rose said to me one time, mom, we're raised live your life. We'll leave ours. We'll see you during the holidays. And I said, it doesn't work that way as a mother. My switch doesn't just turn off and go, okay, they're right. Yeah. You think about them all the time. I always want to know what they're doing and if they're happy and if they ate and they took their vitamins and had a green juice. It's (laughs) constantly in my thoughts. (laughs) Okay. So this is like the third time I've heard you say green juice. What is a green juice? Oh my gosh. Well, a green juice is- (laughs) I'm going to be typing while you talk. So Okay. Yes. So my green juice has kale, spinach, celery, coconut water or water, sometimes blueberries, an apple sometimes, but it's something that I drink. I put in ginger, turmeric. I drink it every day. Um, okay. I take a lot of supplements and I think it's really, it's just a good way to start the day and I'll try and have one midday as well. Oh, okay. Well, I'm going to try this because it's, well, it sounds good and you keep talking about it. So now I'm curious. I've given it to my kids at a young, one of my friends was a raw chef, Roxanne Klein, and she taught me about green juice. My other friend, Diana Stobo as well is another amazing raw chef, but she said, make a green juice for your kids and put it in a wine glass and plop a straw in there, like at dinner time. And they're, they're, that's their like little baby cocktail. You know? Oh my gosh, that so, is so clever. And I'm definitely going to try this. And they think it's so cool because they're like, oh, I get a big girl glass and a straw. And it's, and with the kids' juice, I'll put in blueberries and apple and banana, which I wouldn't put in mine because there's too much sugar. But for them, uh, you throw spinach in it. it, spinach has no taste. So whatever you put it in, it'll turn it green. But then if you add blueberry or something, then it's, so you know, I never brown. realized that spinach has no taste until you it just really said it. doesn't. If you I blend never it up, noticed until it now. Does. It does. Yeah, I never, that is too funny. So are you vegan? Are you raw vegan? No. Oh, okay. At times I eat meat, <laughs> I eat cheese, but I, so I try to have balance in everything in life. Okay. So I will have the green juice every day, but I will have a steak once in a while. Okay. I will have pizza and I will definitely eat a cheese platter. So yeah. So in moderation. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Good. Okay. Shoo. I was like, okay, I, I got it. If I had to become raw vegan, no. then I would, ha- I could do it. Cause I, I was reading this article about Christy Brinkley and she was like in a bikini. She she's like, wow, amazing. she's raw vegan. And I was like, oh my God, when do I have to start becoming a raw vegan <laughs> <laughs> to keep looking like that? I want to wait until the very last minute. But yeah, I just need I, to know the actual date. date. Like, yeah. well, how how far year? can I push it till I can look yeah, like that? Until well, I, I can... She's definitely genetically blessed. Let's start with that. <laughs> and I think she's been doing that. She doesn't drink. And a lot of alcohol. Alcohol does not mm. make you pretty. Alcohol is a, a killer. Because I think when you drink a lot of alcohol, it ages you, first of all. It dehydrates you. It's But it also makes you... Uh, I you know for myself, if I have like one or two glasses of wine... I'll go attack the ice cream or the cookies, which I would normally not do. So it's always uh, That's segueing into more trouble with the, the wine. It's not just the wine. It starts, then it goes into a piece of cake. And at bedtime, it's not good. So now that your kids are older, how, what do you feel is the most effective 
uh, disciplinary type methods. Like now that you've seen them, I like, I know it's all in, you know, nature, nurture or whatnot, but as a mother, what is the um, most effective type of discipline you feel like? Cause you know, there's gentle parenting now, then there's like the helicopter parenting, then there's like the authoritative, you know, mom, like, what do you think is the most effective? I think I've changed as a mom and my kids would probably say that I was probably really much harsher with the older ones and softened as time went on because I'm worn out. But, you know, I yelled, I probably used the spoon on them once or twice. They would make jokes like, you know, one time with the spoon and they were threatened with it the rest of their life and they never wanted it. So I never had to use it again. But uh, I, I've done the spoon thing too. Yeah. She, yeah. Spoon, I've never yeah, just, yeah. it was just once, but then it's one uh, and you'll never do it again. Yeah. I never had to do it again. Yeah. Life, I've never used the rest it again. Of her life, she's going to remind you that you beat her with a spoon. <laughs> like I would put the spoon out on the counter and they were like, <gasps> when she goes she, to her babysitters, I put the spoon in her backpack. <laughs> perfect. It's very preventative. <laughs> preventative. Yeah. There we go. That's the, that's the right one. Preventative. But I think, uh, said it's interesting what my daughter Rose she is my wise child but uh, she said to me that my example of hard work that I'm kind to people that I'm generous that I the all the things that I try to do every day to be a good person has been more effective and much better example than any lectures on drugs and alcohol my kids haven't seen me drunk or high they see that I drink the green juice. They see that I work out every day. They see that I work really hard. And that I think has been, I didn't even realize that until she told me this. And it was literally, I think maybe two years ago that she said this to me. And I, I really didn't realize that the example that her dad and I have set is much more profound than any lecture I can give on drugs and alcohol. Oh, wow. And you know, it's interesting that you say that basically like, you know, leading by example, because uh, um, like I work out a lot and I'm just trying to think like where I pick that up from. And like, when you were talking about this, it was from my mom that even though like my dad was always deployed and she was always working, but when she was at home, you know, she would just like be working out around the house, you know, just doing whatever. And I think that just like subconsciously ingrained in me as, but you like, also one mentioned of- earlier in our talk that your mom's so busy and she's like going on a walk. So that's, yeah, that's true. She's exercising. So yeah, that, and she's, that, she's still doing it. Yeah, you're right. So that's, good. that's too funny. Oh, I'm going to cry here. I'm going to have to like call my mom when I get Aww. off. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to, de- I got to definitely do the lead by example. I've, I was a teacher too. So I think that's, that would make sense even in a classroom setting also right. with your own students. Um, I think being a mom now too, in this like weird pandemic era of history is just so fascinating to see, you know, how they grow up. Because when I grow up there, there was no internet, you know, until probably later on, like I lived, I lived like right when there was dial up, we had the dial up internet, but now like the, well, in Japan, mask wearing is normal when you're sick, but you know, in America, it's really not, but loose, my daughter is going to grow up thinking that's a norm in America. And the same thing with like the phones, the internet, you know, and it's just that different. My kids have even said, because there's such a different age group. My oldest is 28. My youngest is 15. So she has, my daughter Melania has said to me how different her childhood is compared to Ben's, my youngest, because when she was growing up, there was not everyone had a phone. 
a mobile, you know, a child didn't get a mobile phone like they do now at such a young age. And the internet wasn't so strong as it is now. So it's different. Her childhood was definitely more of a normal childhood than, than the younger ones. So you've kind of had to monitor the screen time. That was never something I had to do with the older ones than the younger ones. So that's, that's different. Were you ever like a super strict on academics with um, your children? Like I only have one. So I'm trying to think like, especially working from home and during a pandemic. Well, I think, you know, my kids are all set. The age difference is so great. So the other ones are graduating from college. So I didn't really ever have all five in school at one time. Uh, My daughters are very self-motivated. I didn't really have to do anything with them. Nikolai was a little had more help. He would go to tutoring a lot because he's, a, my kids are golfers. So they at golf practice a lot. And then so, but now he's in college and has no tutoring. So it, my thing is this, I don't really care so much. I mean, obviously I care that they get good grades. My big thing is turn in your work. If I find out that you got a bad grade because your work's not turned in, you do not want to see the wrath of me. Like to me, that is a work ethic is super important to me. And so turning in all your homework on time, doing the extra credit, that stuff is very important to me. Yeah. I like not trying is, is not acceptable. I it's, it's just not acceptable. I like how you highlighted work ethic. And I think it shows in your children because, you know, they've done so well. That's what you and your husband you know, created that environment. So it's like, it's so it's a really beautiful thing to see, honestly. Yeah. When, I don't know if I would have given you that same answer when my daughters were little, I, I would probably been like, no, that's why I'm there. asking. Yeah. That's why I was like, oh, this will be perfect. her kids are older. So I'll be able right. to like, see like, because what you would have told me probably a long time ago is way different from it, what it, you would it say. Is. It's just to me, a work ethic is super important. Responsibility is very important. To me, kids just thinking that you have a great life and you don't have any responsibility, it's not okay. They need to learn from a young age. There's certain things you have to do to live in a pretty house. You have to do your work and turn it in and work hard and and do the extra stuff to have the extra stuff. You're Mm -hmm. not going to just get handed a pile of money and not have to work hard to live in a nice home. I think it's really, uh, you're not doing your children any doing them any good by doing everything for them. They need to feel a tad of discomfort. If they don't feel a little uncomfortable, they're not going to be forced to do anything. And I think it's really sad to see kids that go off to college. They don't know how to make their bed. They don't know how to wash their clothes or keep their life organized. If you're a good parent, you need to prepare them to leave you and launch. And if they haven't had that experience or that how do I say that? They don't, if they haven't been taught how to do these things, how are they going to go out into the world and know how to wash their clothes and know that if their bedroom's a mess or they have roommates and they don't put dishes away, that they're going to have problems getting along with other people. So I think holding them accountable from a young age of putting, making things tidy and organized is, is important. Oh, okay. Good. I'm like writing these down because <laughs> I need all the help <laughs> I can get. <laughs> Because I have no idea what I'm doing. You know, honestly, 
Having one kid, I think, is harder than having a pile of them because your whole focus is on that one. And you probably think you could never love another child as much as you love that first one. And I definitely thought that. But I, the best way to describe it is every one of my kids, I have my own special heart for each one of them. And it's monstrous. So all five of my kids have, I have five hearts for them. And I love them all like, like beyond words. Oh, I, I love, I love how you said they have their own special, their own hearts. So that's, uh, I got to remember that when I'm thinking about my loved ones, being that your husband passed away, I honestly had never heard of sepsis before. Um, and I wasn't sure exactly how that, uh, cause he was an athlete, you know, so it's like sepsis is an infection of the blood. And it typically starts from another infection. So if you, for example, have a cut or there's an infection, or if you have a cold, for example, my husband, he had a cold, turned to bronchitis, turned into pneumonia. The doctors didn't see him at Kaiser. That was our medical insurance at the time. They didn't see him. They gave him the wrong medicine. They gave him cough medicine with codeine and no antibiotic. So if you have an infection brewing in your body and you are given cough medicine with codeine, which we all think, oh, I'll take the cough medicine with codeine and I'll sleep and I'm going to feel so great in the morning. Well, if you have an infection growing in your body and you take the cough medicine with codeine, it slows down your breathing so much that the infection just grows like a wildfire. And that's what happened to my husband, which then becomes sepsis. So sepsis attacks your vital organs and shuts them all down. So if you go to the sepsis.org website and scroll down, there's a little timetable that says time and T is for temperature. You can be incredibly hot or incredibly cold. I is for infection. You have infection in some place in your body. M is for mental decline. It You're a little hard to rouse them. They're just not, they're a little foggy. And E is for excruciating pain. You feel like you are dying because you are dying. So if you have any of those symptoms, and it's a little confusing sometimes because you're hot or you're cold, you don't know, they can take a blood test, but, you know, go to the emergency if you have any of those signs and get you'll get a blood test and they'll determine whether you're septic or not. If you are septic, they will put you on an IV antibiotic and you should survive if you're, if they catch it in the right time frame. If they're not, you're going to have a, you're going to have an outcome like, unfortunately, we had with Ken that he passed away in a few short days. So it's one of those things where we always trust our doctors, but at some point you have to just know if something seems not right. If you have a, you, we all know what we feel like if we're having a cold. Well, if this feels out of the ordinary, then you need to get a blood test and not wait for tomorrow. Sepsis will not wait for you. Sepsis is going to take over your body and kill you. So it is really important not to wait till the morning go to the doctor, go to the emergency and get a blood test. Especially, yeah, you know your own body. So if that's, yeah, you'll be able to tell if something's not right. Oh, wow. Absolutely. That's definitely um, a warning there. So my husband spoke with the doctors on Wednesday. Thursday, we woke up. He was splitting up blood. I rushed him to the emergency. They put him on oxygen and they pulled me out of the room and said he wasn't doing well. And I said, go in there and fix him. (laughs) And they said they were going to intubate him. And they did not tell me that intubation was life support. They told me they were going to intubate him to clear out his lungs, which made sense. And I thought he would be 
home later that day or the next day. I never thought that this would kill him. So once they, I told him that, babe, they're going to put you under, they are going to clear out your lungs and we'll go home soon. And so he's like, okay, we both said, I love you. And then that was the last time he was really conscious. And so that was a Thursday. And by Monday, his arms and his feet and legs started turning black. I brought in a specialist to inform me that if he survived, he would have to get them amputated, his arms and legs amputated, which I knew there is no way I would do that to him. Uh, and he wasn't going to survive. I, I finally had to accept that. And we took him off of life support and he died within minutes. That was very, um, wow. That was very, that happens very fast. Very fast. So that's why I urge anyone with any of these symptoms to go to the emergency and get a blood test. And if they say, oh, you're not septic, that's great. Just do take a blood test anyway. You really have to be your best advocate. If you know something's not right, ask a question, get another opinion. Don't risk your life. Sorry, that little hit me a little hard there. So I'm sorry. Um, yeah, no, it's okay. <laughs> it's, um, it's hard. It's, it's, it's intense. It really is. Transition here to like shift into makeup. And now I just, I feel like that's like disrespectful. You know what I no, mean? <laughs> no, 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 no. We can talk about makeup. We don't have to sit okay. there and talk about unpleasant things. Let's I was like, I was like, them. oh no, I should have like put that in the, oh, okay. Anyways. No, it's all but good. How did the pretty girl makeup start? Um, I'm so curious because, you know, I knew, I was reading that you've done makeup, all these different celebrities, movies, films, channels, uh, news networks. Um, and then earlier you had mentioned you'd been working on it since 1999. Uh, obviously that's been one of your passions is that line and then makeup in general. Yes. So how did that journey start for you? I did makeup on my friends and family growing up. My mom had cancer when I was a young girl and she and my dad were going out to dinner one night. And I said, oh, mom, let me let me put makeup on you and get you all ready because she had lost her hair and her skin was discolored. And so she didn't have a lot of makeup, but I miraculously transformed her into looking like her old self. And what was so great, and this is one of the things that to this day brings me joy, of transforming someone is not just how they look. Obviously that's great, but how they feel on the inside that they feel so much happier because they look like the best versions of themselves. So yes. that's always like the best to me and meeting new people is super fun. I love all the different clients I have, whether it be the athletes or the celebrities or whoever, or my brides or a model, they're all special to me. And they, everyone has an interesting story, as you know, with your podcast, everyone has a story. It doesn't matter if they're a normal person or famous, everyone has something interesting to, to talk about. So that's been a, one of the blessings of being a makeup artist is being somewhere different all the time. You're never in the same spot. You're working with different people. You're making someone, even if it's the models, making them look like the best versions and working with a team to create something fun. And it, I love being around different people in different places. I, I, I get stagnant if I'm just stuck in one spot. You will currently, you're based in the Bay area, correct? Yes. Yeah. I, I actually used to live in San Francisco. My grandparents oh, really? lived in Milpitas 
Um, oh, wow. And I, I went to school in San Francisco for a little bit. I went to the, they have a fashion institute there in Union Square. Oh, Fitum? Yeah, I went oh, to Fitum. Yeah, I went yeah, there my for daughter two went years. there for a little bit. Oh, wow, oh, yeah. that's great. Yeah, I only went there for two years and then I went back to Japan um, after after that. But oh, wow. um, the what's been your favorite place? Because I've lived, all, I've traveled all over the world too, but mostly with my dad for his military uh-huh. stuff. But I'm so curious if like any of our places will like overlap. Where are my special places? Yeah. Well, Cabo San Lucas is a special place. I always say my I've soul I've never is been like, to Mexico yet. Oh, and in the past week, uh, literally seven people have said Mex- something about Mexico. So I need to oh, go to Mexico. Okay. So I'm so sorry to interrupt. I had to, I had no, to share no, no, that. No. <laughs> so you said Cabo San Lucas? Cabo San Lucas is a special place for me. My, my soul lives there. I feel like I breathe differently there. Uh, it's special. The Bay Area is amazing. I live on the water, so I'm very blessed to look out my window and look at the water and mountains. And I think I've traveled to London and, and Spain and Italy. Every I, I think every place has something exciting and cool to see and interesting to learn. That's a good point too. I've only been to London. I'm most of my most of the time, my dad's uh, deployments were um, we were always in Asia, so uh-huh. I spent most of my life in Japan. Um, that's interesting because you, then you really be at your perspective on life growing up in Asia is going to be, you're going to be such a different person having had that influence at a young age that your other siblings or your parents didn't have that. So that's interesting. Yeah. Cause my, my dad's originally from the, uh, California, uh, Bay area. And then my mom, my mother is from the Philippines, but then, um, I grew up in Japan so it's like this weird you speak uh, Japanese. Yeah, a little bit. Yes. Still. Yeah. <laughs> Great. Um, I heard you say earlier that you were Russian. I tried to teach myself Russian once. That's hard to teach. Russian. I is stopped. I stopped. <laughs> I stopped. <laughs> I stopped. Cause I was like, wow, this is intense. It's intense. Yes, it is. My son, Nikolai, uh, when he was at, uh, Occidental, college in LA started taking Russian and I love that he speaks and I, it, it makes me so happy. I went to Russian school when I was young, but I don't remember it very much. My parents didn't speak to me. My grandpa, it's so interesting when people come from another country back then, not so much now they want to be American and they don't want to speak in the other language or they do it in like when they don't want you to know what they're saying, they'll speak in Russian. So I, I wish my grandparents would have only spoken to me in Russian because three of my four grandparents are Russian and it would have been so great. I'm bilingual in Spanish, but I feel very Russian, but I also feel this connection to Mexico. One of That's my brothers. Yes. So I feel maybe because I'm bilingual in, in Spanish that I feel this connection. My one of my grandmothers is half Mexican. So I feel I feel a connection to that. Oh, no, that's no, that makes perfect sense. That makes perfect sense. Because I've always wished my um, mom or like one of my aunties would have taught me, you know, Tagalog. Um, I probably know more Spanish. Well, Spanish and Tagalog are pretty similar. But um, I wish that my parents would have taught me. My mom would have taught me Tagalog. But yeah, it's such a gift. I think if you have any, you know, any words that you have, my kids, I've spoken to them in Spanish. They always had Spanish speaking nannies and they do understand and some of, and they speak, but I wish I would have spoken more consistent Mm. because they would get in school and they'd be like, mommy, stop speaking English. I don't want to speak in Spanish. 
And I should have just said, you know, told them to be quiet in Spanish and, you know, answer. <laughs> but, you know, you, you're a mom and you're tired. You're like, oh, I don't want to fight. <laughs> that is very true. Yeah, I, I've given up plenty of times. Like, okay, here, just take the snacks. Just take them. Yeah, just I, take I'm, it. I'm, I'm watch not, a I'm, show and zip it. Yeah, I'm, just like I need like 30, 45 minutes. Like, do whatever you want, really. Yes, yes. All right. Motherhood so, is exhausting for sure. <laughs> so before we sign off, basically, if you have any whatever social medias that you want to say, and then I'm going to ask you pretty much like what would be your mama knows best advice, like just a general, whatever you think would be the most important. And it doesn't matter. Um, my analytics, it's literally 50, 50 male, female. So it doesn't really matter if whoever it's catered okay. to. All right. Okay. Okay. So my Instagram is Christina Flack makeup. If you want to see my makeup artistry and uh pretty girl makeup is P R E T T Y G I R L M K U P for pretty girl makeup. And we're on Facebook, Twitter, uh, pretty girl makeup website. If there is for pretty girl, there's a discount code of 25% for your listeners. If they Ooh, want to get a discount code. Perfect. Time. Yeah. Pretty girl is the discount code. And what would be my best mom advice uh, to give to my kids or being a mom? I, Just in general, like being a mother now, what is the one thing you wish your mom would have told you? Basically, everything is going to be OK. Not to waste your time worrying. Don't worry. Everything always works itself out the way it's supposed to be. So I would tell my kids, just know, focus on what makes you happy work hard and know everything will work itself out and not stress. It's a waste that of time. Is, it's basically praying for bad things to happen. I think that is such a good one. That oh, is such a you. good one. Awesome. That was a tough question. I was like, Oh, oh sorry. <laughs> Usually. Um, yeah, no, it can be some, sometimes some people say funny things. Sometimes, you know, sometimes it's serious. So, but yes. I like to get like the, like, you know, the gut reaction, the like initial yeah, that's the reaction first thing that came to my mind was that. Yeah. So that's why I kind of just throw it at people. Sorry. All good. No, good <laughs> I, I learned that too. What is it? Um, ask for forgiveness, not for permission. That's true. <laughs> that's another good one. Oh, oh my goodness. But thank you so much, Miss Flack. Thank I really you. appreciate you coming here, sharing you words of me. wisdom, sharing your story. Um, and I'm definitely going to have to make some green juice. Yes. Start so, with a wine glass for your daughter and a straw, and hopefully she'll get on the green juice. It, you know what's good about it? It's just if you can get her from the age of three moving forward, and that was the important thing for me with the starting of the garden. I wanted kids to, at a young age, from kindergarten through fifth grade, to know what it's like to plant a seed and that lettuce grows or a carrot and what it's like to eat that or do a science project or cook with it. So I feel that if you can get your daughter to get on the green juice now at three, she's just not going to know any different. I see people are like, oh, my kids eat only pizza, chicken nuggets, and hot dog. I'm like, well, if you never gave that to them, they wouldn't know that. So that's true. So that was my mistake. Them, I gave her mac and, and I, cheese. <laughs> yeah, no, 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 no. There's no, well, I throw oh, my kids go crazy with me. I'll throw carrots in there, zucchini, <laughs> broccoli. They never just get mac and cheese. There's always some other stuff in it. Good. But this is the other thing I do I put a salad in front of them before they can have the mac and cheese. I give oh. them the green juice before that. They, I always make them eat that. As soon as you finish that, then you get that. That's my mom advice to you. 
Oh, that's a good one. And that is definitely one that I need to do because otherwise all she's going to eat is mac and cheese. Just no. that's it. Then guess so, what? Mac yeah. and cheese doesn't exist anymore. Yeah. Yeah. No, definitely. It it's green away. juice. Green juice all green the juice. way. <laughs> it's, it's green juice and water. Everything will be better if you're hydrated and had your green juice. Yeah, no, I like that. Everything, I, let me write that down really fast because that's going to be my <laughs> caption. Everything will be Everything better. Everything is better with water and green juice or green juice and being hydrated. Hold on, that's going to be my caption for on Instagram. That's so cute. Oh my God, that's hilarious. Sorry, I just had to write that down. I wasn't going to remember that. No, I, I <laughs> oh don't know God, if I remember awesome. it Oh, thank, thank you, you so much, Miss Fuck. So I much really fun. appreciate you. Thank you so much. Thank you, hon. Bye. You've been listening to the Good Milf Podcast. Join us every Monday as Krista talks shit and gives free advice based on firsthand experiences and scientific research. Make sure to subscribe, rate, review, and follow us on all platforms. Visit www.thegoodmilf.com for our latest updates and merch.